Good Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the 20th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 15th, 2023. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast. And I am excited that we are to the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. Boy, it's, it's been a crazy year. And I know there's been some people who have been slowly catching up on some episodes that have been coming out, like the 300th special episode. I do read a lot of those comments. I really appreciate all those warm welcomes and thank yous and congratulations. And it really does help in these times when sometimes it is very difficult to continue coming week after week. But it's something that I do feel that this is something that's very valuable. I feel like it's something that isn't being talked about enough. And I do think this is something that as a world and as a culture, it's going to become more and more relevant that we need to be addressing and talking about. So it's super fun to be able to look at that. I know where I'm at also, it's been one of those moments where we're moving into those shoulder seasons and where the location that I'm at, it's the shoulder of getting colder. And so the garden has been basically all taken in for the year. It's that moment of preparing. And again, I think as we are still in the season after Pentecost, I've stated it once and I'll state it a hundred times. We are in this season of growth. It's the season after Pentecost. We are growing. And I think there's moments where we kind of hit more of a refresh stage, but this is a growth stage. And I'm really excited to be in this growth stage. And this is, again, another week of some really difficult texts. But I think we'll have something a little bit different to be able to come at and look at and think about this week. So let's just jump into the question from last week, which was, where do you need to let go so that God can teach? And I had a really good response this last week, someone going through their DDT experience and kind of talking about some of the different things that went on with that, which was super fun to read through. But one of them was with aging and how sometimes when the body is fighting you with something and the body is kind of stating, consider your age and how often we are rebuking that. And maybe it is God trying to prevent us from doing something. And I think that's a fine balance. It's one of those things that we kind of continue to go through through all of life is at what point is the body just not letting me do it? And when is it my own self preventing me from being able to do something greater? And I think it's one of the things within the human condition that we kind of wrestle with and deal with. And it kind of stinks at times. I wish sometimes it was a little easier, more direct, but that's just not the way it is. So let's just jump into it. One of the Old Testament texts that you could possibly have this week is out of Exodus chapter 32, the first 14 verses of it. This is continuing on and we're jumping a little bit ahead from where we were last week. So we had the Ten Commandments. Moses is still up on Mount Sinai, chilling with God, learning some things, we would assume. And the people are getting restless. And the people are, we've gone through all this. We're being taken out into the desert. And they come to Aaron, Aaron being Moses' brother, kind of this right-hand man type of thing. And what should we do? And Aaron makes a decision of, let's gather all the gold. We're going to build what ends up being a golden calf. And as you would imagine, God is not real pleased. He's even kind of speaking to Moses, what is going on with these people of yours? 
they've made an image of a calf and they're worshiping it. Like, can they not remember what we just talked about a little ways ago about with these Ten Commandments and having no other gods before me? Moses comes down and burns with fury and drops the Ten Commandments and just lays out on how, what are we doing? Do you guys not remember what all the Lord has done and continue to provide and yet you guys still bring this idea of how we just don't understand? But then yet Moses is also then working with God and have God remember all the times where the people were following God. It's just that humans, we fall apart so many times. The psalm this week then with that text is Psalm 106 verses 1 to 6 and 19 to 23. This then is a psalm that goes through recognizing the steadfast love that God does have and look at all the things that God has done. The happy are those who are observant of the justice and the righteousness and remembering all the favor that God has done and the chosen people that we are and recognizing that we fall poorly short of this, but yet we still are continued to be blessed by this God. And then it skips the verse 19, jumping into what goes on in that Exodus text of the mating a calf at Horeb and we worshiped it and yet we forgot who God was and we forgot all the hardships that we've gone through Egypt and just remember the great things and yet we forgot on what God had done to be able to get us to that point and how easy it is for us as humans to forget these things. The other alternative Old Testament text this week is out of Isaiah chapter 25, verses 1 to 9. This is kind of a weird spot within Isaiah that it's trying to compare the city of Jerusalem and what it's been and how it's kind of gotten beyond God, as they would say, and then the new Jerusalem that is to come that's going to rebuild and will be honoring God. But in this moment, it's kind of reflecting back on how it has been this city that is recognizing, but yet we still have had moments where it's been really difficult. The times where we have gotten full of ourselves and not being able to see the needy, not being able to see the alien or the outsider and recognizing the ways that we can provide and forgetting how God has continued to provide for the people richly with food and wine and being able to provide the city and having things to be able to shelter them. And yet God will at some point destroy at this point Jerusalem because of how much we forget, because of how much we are lacking. And it's not due to a lack of love. It's that we aren't showing that love. And in that time, we still will have a God who does forgive and save. And it's this recognition of we really should be paying homage to who this God is. The psalm that goes with that is one of the most familiar six verses within the Bible, which is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This idea, though, of how we lose sight of who our enemies are, and yet God's still preparing that table, that moments where we struggle to follow and to listen to where God is leading us, and yet God still is trying to steer us in where we need to be. And yet, at the end, we get the message of surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord as we seek the house of the Lord. The New Testament text, the epistle text this week, is out of Philippians chapter 4, the first nine verses of it. This is where Paul is starting to wrap up this letter, but it's this idea of how we need to continue to show the love of who God is to others and continuing to be in prayer and continuing to give thanks to God and continuing to be recognizing where God is in and amongst us and being able to tell those stories and be able to be in connection, in relationship so that we are communicating that well with God and communicating that well with others so that the word of what God has done and is continuing to do gets out and is shared amongst the people. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 22, the first 14 verses of it. And Jesus is continuing with another parable. So the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who throws a wedding banquet for his son. He sends slaves out to invite people to this banquet, but no one comes. So again, he tells them to go out and that he's prepared this amazing feast. And in light of it, there's just busyness, people finding other excuses. And in fact, the people who come that are slaves to tell this news are killed. The king is enraged. He sends troops to destroy these murderers and burn their cities. And then he says to his slave, the wedding feast is ready, but the ones who were invited weren't showing up. So he sends the slaves out into the streets to gather people, both good and bad, to come to the wedding feast. And when the guests come, he notices one who is not wearing a wedding robe. And he goes up and asks why. And the man doesn't respond. And the king then asks for him essentially to be thrown out. And this is where we get this moment of, for many are called, but few are chosen. I think this is a great text in that I think Working Preacher worked it well. I think this in certain ways can be talked about a little bit with our own spiritual gifts and making sure that we're actually utilizing them. But I think it's also, as we'll talk about here in just a few minutes, how the science can tie into this in a really unique way. And I think sometimes it's helpful for us to be able to think about things and not be just get fixated on things. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. For Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwaves podcast, the commentaries, the discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some perspective and give me some different ideas on how to run this podcast week after week. So, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the revised coming lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. 
They have just great resources, not only the text that I look at week to week and how beautifully it's laid out, but the art, the hymns, the liturgical colors, the prayers. There's a lot of different ideas and different ways to potentially bring some of those different resources into a worship setting around that. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt Civilian Library, I'd highly recommend that. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publication. Both of these will be the top link in the show notes down below. But these bring up weekly reflections on different ecological issues, echoes, implications, and urgencies to be able to potentially utilize within your weekly preaching. If you're listening and enjoying listening to a weekly podcast talking about how faith and science are related within weekly biblical texts, you will enjoy this podcast and enjoy this newsletter. I really enjoy looking through it week to week, so if you haven't checked this out, I'd highly recommend it. It is the top link in the show notes. This difficult text, especially the gospel this week, I think gives us a perspective into something that we don't often talk about and we'll get into a little bit this week and that is talking about hypothesis. Hypothesis are used within science to be able to give the grounding foundation on what we're doing within the current scientific model. And within a lot of these scientific models, the hypothesis is the idea of what we're studying for and what your guess your hypothesis of what you think is going to happen. But in order for us in many cases to make sure that our hypothesis just isn't a piece of outlier data that is being utilized to then be supportive, we have to be able to look at other things. And I'll attach some links down below. It doesn't go in super great depth, but it's a good starting spot for many of this is looking at null hypothesis, and then also realizing then how that plays in with p-values. So typically when you are working on a scientific paper, and especially when I was working on it in undergrad, you would have to state what your alternative hypothesis and your null hypothesis were. So your alternative hypothesis, think of it as the hypothesis in which you're typically doing your study on. So if you were doing a study on whether or not caffeine is effective to be able to keep someone awake, that would be your alternative hypothesis would be something along the lines of the hypothesis that we think that caffeine affects how long a person is awake or active after consuming caffeine for the next three hours compared to no caffeine. The null hypothesis would be there is no difference between if I have caffeine three hours before bed or not having caffeine three hours before bed. So what is the purpose of this? Well, as we then run the test and we have different groups and we get some preliminary results, we then have to typically take those results and plot them and be able to look at the p-value or the probability value. This is the value of taking into some more complex 
tables, I'm figuring out the probability, but looking at it from the aspect of what are the chances of this result happening within your quantitative data to be able to calculate this out. So being able to look at, okay, there would be only 8% of results that would potentially be higher than this. And then one of the things that we talk about a lot was trying to fall within 95% confidence intervals. So this idea of being able to fall within this and saying with 95% confidence, we can say that caffeine affects your sleeping within the next three hours and nullifying the null hypothesis, which is typically happened within that 95% bell curve. If your data is falling within that 95% bell curve as specified within the p-values, thus it is defeating the null hypothesis in most cases. Thus us getting rid of the idea of what the outlier data would be. So this idea of that we had some results that were way outside the normal results and thus being outliers to the data, we can get rid of those. And that's where we get into, even within the scientists, not manipulating, but interpreting the data and being able to understand what is a good result, what is a complete outlier, and it's throwing our results off. I distinctly remember actually even working on a project in college. I was looking at statistically proving stuff that I had talked about the year prior in high school. And as I was working through this, I decided I had a whole data set that I had to throw out. And partially, even in that, as I was throwing out the data, I had to reach out to the people who were doing the initial tests and ask if there was anything that was going on because the results were so different. And being able to determine there was a couple things that were going on and thus writing that up in my paper that I had, yes, here is the data with that included, but it didn't help my hypothesis as well. And because I had some reasonable justification on why I was saying that this data could should be thrown out from this year in particular because of, I think it was a short trapping season and some weird weather stuff that had gone on that was directly affecting what we were studying. And so thus being able to say, yes, we need to get rid of this data. And if you get rid of this data, this is what this looks like. And there's much stronger correlations. Thus being able to better state that the hypothesis that I had was being able to show easier than when the null hypothesis was. And in that case, it was looking at a couple different species of voles and voles and mice and looking at habitat preference within an ecosystem. With all of this stuff said, I think then the aspect then is, is how does this all relate. And I think where we can look within the gospel text is this man who the king calls out. The man makes this hypothesis that I don't need to change. I don't need to do anything because this king has been having such difficulty recruiting these people to come to this banquet. I don't need to take this occasion seriously. I don't need to do anything different. I can just live my life the way that I'm doing and show up the way that I am. And I don't need to show any respect to the king in this moment. I'm just going to show up. And that's where, as it talked about in Working Preacher, and I tend to agree, this idea of how we're wasting talent then is 
huge. And then why does this relate with talking about hypothesis and probability values and null hypothesis? Because as a scientist, when you are researching something, yes, there is this desire to learn and this desire to understand. But especially as you're running a test, it is very easy for us to get attached to our hypothesis, that we want to see positive results. We have talked about this before in the past and how science is trying to figure out ways to actually publish studies that aren't positive toward their hypothesis, that are disproving what they were going through in testing and how many positive results that we are getting within our own scientific research which then shows that we have a bias of holding on to our hypothesis and thus being very slow to recognize the null hypothesis of no, what you are looking at shows no significant difference or no significant breakthrough Go back to the drawing board and try again. And it's like this man is not recognizing the gift of what is being offered in this moment. And instead of doing something of at least showing some thankfulness for being invited to this and being part of this, this man doesn't. This man acts like nothing is any different than any other day. And this is what then upsets the king. If we go all the way back to the Exodus text, the people assume that Moses is dead because of how long he's been up there. And if that is the case, we then assume that the God that we have been following is no longer with us. So not only Moses died, but apparently God died on the mountain as well. So thus we need to make something new and figure out what we're going to do. The hypothesis that the people made was poor. We see that at the back end of the reading and we learn this as even a young child going through these texts on how we need to continue to follow God even when things are weird. The people at this moment hadn't fully learned that and are struggling with that. And honestly, it's something that we still wrestle with today. And that's where the psalm then has to remind us of these times when we fall short of what God has done, even though God has continued to provide for us. The Isaiah text getting into a very similar things on how God had provided so much. The hypothesis was then suddenly, it's not God, it's us. Look at what we're doing. We are amazing. We have done all these great things. We have built this amazing city. We don't need to recognize these people who aren't part of our elite class. We don't need to recognize the people who aren't part of this city. We don't need to recognize those who are different than us. We built this. And yet the psalm from Psalm 23, preparing a table in front of my enemies and being anointed with oil that recognizes that we're all at the same table together recognizing that just because we're starting to see some of the gifts in which God is giving us doesn't mean that we stop doing what got us to this point at this moment. And that's where the Philippians text comes in. This recognition on how we need to continue to rejoice. We need to continue to pray. We need to continue to be part of this community. We need to continue to be in community with God in order for us to continue to be in the light of where God is trying to lead us. Yes, there are times within science our hypothesis are wrong, even though we do a lot of study and a lot of research to try to figure out what we think is a logical hypothesis. But we as scientists have to be okay with a negative result. We have to be okay with 
This didn't work. Our hypothesis was wrong. And that is very valuable, very valuable for a scientist to be able to understand this is something I shouldn't look into. I was wrong. There might be groups of outlier data that I'm wanting to include because then it makes my data significant. It shows that I have something, but I have to be okay with not every time do I have an idea and a theory and a way that I think something is going to happen. I hypothesis, am I going to be right? Not every time that I'm imagining the world working in some way, is that the way the world works? As we are in this world that is wrestling with this now, are we willing to acknowledge where we have messed up? Are we willing to acknowledge as a community we didn't handle the COVID-19 whole virus worldwide phenomenon as well as we could have in many different ways? And how many times we talked on this podcast and how this could be something that could bring us together, and yet it's seeming like it has brought us further and further and further apart in so many ways. And when we're being invited to the banquet and we have these ideas that well, this person can be part of this and this person can't be, we realize that that's not our call. We also realize in that that it's really easy for us to point the finger and that we have our own hypothesis and ideas. And as we continue to see God reveal more and more, and it doesn't line up with the way that we feel the world should be, we don't recognize in that moment that this isn't our world. This isn't our way of running things. We, going back to last week, we are not the landowner. We are the tenant. And as the landowner is calling for us to pay what is the land has produced and pay those that money, that what the land has earned, we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with results that are different than what we expect. We have to be okay with times where things aren't significantly significant. The data doesn't show that the data is significant, thus showing a change or something that is valuable. That's okay. It's that reverse mindset of recognizing at that moment it's valuable data that it's not significant. It's valuable for us to be able to recognize that because we have learned something. And now we need to continue to remember it. We don't need to hide it. It's the old Thomas Edison quote talking about and summarizing here that I just found a hundred different ways not to make a light bulb on the way to figuring out how to make the light bulb. That was all important research. That was all important hypothesis failed to finally get the one that did work. So the question I have for you this week is where have you made an assumption or a hypothesis and been wrong? Where had you made a hypothesis or assumption and been wrong? I think it's part of our global culture that needs to be worked on because we like being right so much. But we have to remember we're human. And we have to remember that we aren't the ones that made this place. We're just tenants. And so there might be things that we want one way and God has other plans. Might be things that we assume are one way and find out later they're a different way. Getting back to last week's, we assumed DDT was just fine. We thought it looked good. The long-term implications weren't as good. We stuck and held on to our hypothesis and held on to our ideas and held on to all these things. And look where it brought us. 
we have to be okay with rejecting our hypothesis and accepting the null hypothesis that it was indifferent or essentially that our study was different than what we thought. That our values and data didn't fall within our p-values to be able to show statistical significance. And realize that when we are outside of that, we have just discovered things that are statistically significant in ways that didn't work. In ways that allow us to continue to be creative and imaginative in how we do things. Sometimes it's worth fighting back and doing more tests and making sure. And sometimes we just have to admit, yep, I was wrong, but that's okay. I've discovered more by being wrong. We talk about in sports and so many different things that you learn so much more by losing than necessarily winning. And I think in this text, it's us reminding that we got to take certain things and hold them precious. Recognize different opportunities. Recognize the gifts in which we're given and utilize them responsibly. Recognize that we aren't always right. And that's a good thing. Because if we were always right, why would we need a God? And if we didn't have God, we'd miss out on a relationship that is so much greater than anything that we could ever experience on our own. And I think that in and of itself is something that we have to be open and willing to recognize. And in doing that, being open and willing to recognize that we might need to go outside of our comfort zone or acknowledge different things that are going on or being respectful, putting aside our own pride on holding on to something, that in that we might find the rest that we're looking for, the peace we're looking for, the fulfillment that we've been looking for, that we have been so arrogant to hold on to something that didn't provide those things. The man decides that being just himself or herself at that point, himself in the story, and not recognizing the special opportunity that had been given, just showing up was enough. And maybe there is more to this than just showing up. Maybe we have to have to get our hands dirty and recognize there's gonna be times we're right and sometimes we're wrong and be able to speak up for those when that time comes instead of just being silent and being able to admit then also that we were wrong because these are things that we are needing to be able to say as a society and a world. And it's also stuff within a scientific community that is needed in order for us to actually grow and learn. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.